Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. This is a weekly discussion about the Camino de Santiago, or the Way of St. James, a series of ancient, mystical and spiritual paths across Europe. It's a pilgrimage, walked by pilgrims. Now, I've conducted well over 100 interviews about the Camino, and I urge you to go back through the catalogue via Spotify or iTunes, Wooshka, or my website, danmullinsmusic.com. And if you know someone who's walking the Camino in the future, suggest the podcast to them. It's a great motivator while you clock up the miles before you go. And if you're interested in sponsoring me, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Dan Mullins or danmullinsmusic.com. Music. I'm a musician and I still perform around 80 shows a year. And I carried a little parlor guitar on my back from Lourdes to Santiago in 2017. I thought I was crazy. But I was motivated by a love of music and singing. And that's something that pilgrims love to do, to sing. Plato, the Greek philosopher, said, Music gives a soul to the universe, wings to the mind, flight to the imagination, and life to everything. Now, Plato's actually credited as one of the fathers of modern spirituality. So he knows a thing or two. My guest this week is Anya Barker an Irish-based musician. And I thought I was crazy carrying a guitar for a 1,000 kilometres. Anya carried a harp. Welcome, Pilgrim. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I'm very happy to be here. It's just fantastic to talk to you. Tell us about Sean the Harp. Let's start there. Okay, well, Sean the Harp is my my companion and partner in, uh, in crime and pilgriming. Uh, he's a 26-string uh, Celtic harp. Um, bar- often we call them bardic harps. Uh, they're small enough to stand on the floor and they're small enough to carry around. Um, I've had him since about 2008 and we started pilgriming the first time in 2010 when I walked with Sean the Harp. Uh, from Ireland, uh, through Ireland, France, and Spain to Santiago. And last year, we went to walk from Ireland through Ireland, Wales, England, France, Switzerland, the Alps, uh, to Italy, to Rome. And hopefully in 2021, we'll be heading for Jerusalem again from Ireland. Uh, Sean the Harp was built for me in Seattle, in America, Seattle, Seattle, Washington, by a company called Dusty Strings, and they 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 make they make harps which are very affordable, and um, are, are the, the, the twenty six string one is approximately the same size as the ancient Irish harps, which would have had a few strings more, but they were played with nails and not with fingers. What else do you want to know about him? Well, <laughs> no, I, I want to know about you as well because we're going to get back to Sean. But do you remember when you first heard about the Camino? 
Oh yes, I have a, I have a friend uh, who is originally from Clonmel here in Ireland. I'm based in Ireland, uh, and he I met him years ago when I still was living in the Netherlands in Amsterdam, and he had moved there many many years ago, and I knew that he had gone on the Camino in the 1980s, so quite early on, and he had done it on a bike, and then had he had tried to go to Rome as well, but he had never made it, and he always said to me that there would be a day that I would find this thing inside of me that would call me. And in 2000 and, uh, 2009, the beginning of the end of 2009 to uh, 2010, there was a report was published here in Ireland, which is called the Murphy Report, which dealt with institutional abuse in Ireland. And something rattled inside of me. And it happened uh, exactly as Tony told me. I got this enormous, I, I got this enormous urge to start moving. And um, my, my, it was first, it was this, this notion of that there was great injustice within the world and I, I couldn't just stay silent and I couldn't do nothing. But I didn't know what to do. I've, I've always been a walker. Um, I've always walked. Uh, but this time round, uh, I felt that I, I needed to do more. I needed to make a big swooping statement. So I, I had I'd kind of thought about walking with the heart, but I wasn't sure about it. But I kind of made up my mind at the beginning of 2010 that I would. And I put the pack together. I got a, I got a bag and a Swedish army frame and I tied the whole thing together and I started experimenting with weight, uh, how much I could carry. Uh, now, I'm, I'm not a small woman, but I'm not a big, big woman either. I'm about, uh, I'm just um, 5'11". Uh, and uh, I packed a bag, which was about 20 kilos, including the harp, and went from the St. James's well here in, in West Cork. I, I decided that I would go and just make the statement that I thought that abuse in this day and age was really not of this day and age anymore and that we needed to start to create spaces for healing. And that was really the initial thought. I had no idea, to be honest, that I would actually make it because I had no money. I started walking in May that year uh, with about 500 euros in my pocket. And I did the two and a half thousand kilometers, including the ferry, the ferry crossover um, on 500 euros, basically. And the harp then had to help me to, to find beds and food and everything else. Uh, but I didn't busk much, I have to say. So that was the initial, uh, the the initial initiative. Yeah, I, I, yeah, and we're going to get back to that philosophy in a little while. Yeah, because that's a very important part of what you do. But yeah. you, you and Sean are known collectively as the floating harper. Why the floating harper? Yeah. Yes, originally, originally I was my big love always was recorders. I, I'm 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 originally from the Netherlands. I grew up there, and I was originally I, I studied recorders, uh, recorders performance. Uh, but I live in Ireland. There's absolutely no work for classical. You know, I play early music, Renaissance, Baroque music, uh, and I was quite good at it. But there was no work for me, and my second instrument was harp. I started playing at around nine. Um, it was one of those things at, at the time, uh, if you did it, like a, a melody instrument, like I sang and I played recorders, and then your teachers always wanted you to do like a harmonic instrument as well. So my mother came home one day after uh, speaking to my teacher and he had said to her, listen, she needs to do, go do something like piano, just 
to to solidify this, you know, the understanding of music and the theory of music. And she came home and she said, "Okay, piano, guitar, what is it going to be? And I went harp. Mm -hmm. I honestly, I don't know where that came from. I'm not even sure I knew what a harp was, but my dad thought it was a good idea. So they gave me a harp and it had always kind of sat in the background and I finished my studies. And when I realized that I wasn't, if I really wanted to be a musician, I would have to come up with a better plan. I always, I always knew I wanted to play music and not just be a teacher nothing against teaching don't get me wrong but it it wasn't for me like I always wanted to play so uh, I just switched and and I think it was an interesting thing to do because like as as when you study classical music you you really suffer from perfectionism by the end of it you know you hear everything everything that can go wrong sits in your body in your head and it, it it can be quite disconcerting and with the harp I will never be the best harp player but it's so much fun. It's so much fun and it's so hard. And there's just not that many of them around. So I thought, ah, fuck it. I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing it ever since. Yeah. That's yeah. so great. I read somewhere uh, there was a news report on the flouting Harper and it said they are a well-known pair in the West Cork town. He always accompanies yes. her and she always carries him. But could it be said, yes. Anya, that... From time to time, Sean carries you. Absolutely, especially while while we go on pilgrimage, because I I couldn't do it without him. Like with without the harp, I'm just one of many. With the harp, I become I've I've become something of a historical figure. I'm the only person, the only woman, I should say, in written history who has actually accomplished these two journeys. Uh, we know that there was a group of Irish and Welsh harp players during the Middle Ages, during the Crusades, who went both to, uh, we don't know, I'm not sure if they went to Santiago, but I, I, I am sure that they were in Rome, that they went as far as Rome and to Jerusalem. Uh, but none of them were women. Uh, we don't know how they did it, but I've, I've come across so many, like when I walked last year through Ireland and Wales, there were a lot of indications of pilgrimages, uh, especially from medieval times. And we know from from uh, letters written that there, there were harp players that made it as far as Jerusalem. And that if it hadn't been for those men with those harps and that music, none of them would have made it because it would have been one boring, hard thing. And so I've, I'm the only woman in the world to have ever accomplished these two trips, and hopefully the third one will make me an absolute historical figure, which is kind of... Sometimes I sit here, you know, well-known in my little town, like I live in a town of 5,000 people. Uh, it was named the best town to live in in Ireland and England uh, two years in a row, I think, the past two years. I live at one of the most beautiful beaches in Ireland. I mean, you know, what more can we add to the history here? And now they've got me as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. You, can I, was Plato yeah. right? When he said music gives a soul to the universe, wings to the mind, flight to the imagination and life to everything. I think so, yes. I think he was right. Uh, there is, uh, the, in fact, when the, there is an uh, instruction within the hours of the Catholic Church, the, which are the prayers that are like the, 
the the psalms, which are recited like five times a day uh, throughout the Catholic faith. And the original instruction for the reciting of the psalms is that it should only be done to the accompaniment of a harp. Uh, King David, of course, is the big example of this. He he recited the psalms with the harp in the in the Jewish tradition. Uh, the Catholic Church doesn't do it that way anymore, and of course, the Catholic Church is kind of disappearing out of this, which is which I think, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later on as well. How interesting, isn't it, that there are so many people taking to the road, walking on paths which are very ancient and are directly uh, directly related to faith and Christianity, and and the symbols of this, and yet the Church itself is losing its power rapidly at this moment in time. And yet those symbols seem to be so strong. Music, definitely, uh, my, my experience of even just, you know, saying, I'd, I'd walk into a pub at the end of a day not knowing where to stay. I'd put down the pack. Somebody will come up and they'd go like, what's in your bag? And I'd go, it's a harp. Nah. I, it's a harp, yeah. It's a harp. Nah. And it'd go away and it'd come back in a little while. Can we see your harp? Of course you can see my harp. But I need a bed and I need some I need somewhere to stay and I need some food. Don't you worry. And before you know it, wherever you are, people will come from everywhere because they want to meet this person who's who who who's doing this crazy thing. And then you'll get a group of people together and it'll all go silent and people will share and they'll share things. You'd be surprised what they're willing to share within a circle like that, where the music's, because I don't get to talk a lot apart from telling the story of why I'm there and where I'm going to. And Sean does all the talking then. So, yeah, he definitely carries me. And uh, the music is the thing that makes it happen. So how heavy is Sean? And how difficult is it to carry him on your back? You, you mentioned a, a Swiss frame, I think you said, a little while back. Just Sweden. explain that. Yeah, Sweden. Sweden. Uh, I have, I have a, a bag from uh, the, the harp builders. They developed a bag, a soft bag for the harps. Uh, they come in two. One is a bit tougher than the other one. Uh, but, of course, how do you carry a harp? Uh, how how high do you want it on your back? So what I did is that uh, I went. I had I, I, originally I had called the I I, did, I couldn't figure it out. Uh, the backpack came with a few straps and I tried walking with it and it was too low on on the back. Sean the harp himself is seven kilos, so a stone in weight. Uh, the bag is about three kilos, uh, so that's ten kilos already. So I was looking for a lightweight frame that could that with a table. So like the the Ellis frame, which was used both in the Vietnam and the Second World War by the Americans. I tried to import one, but I, it was already after uh, uh, 9/11. So I got like this rake of paperwork asking me whether whether I was going to use this Ellis frame for. Uh, for uh, for uh, 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 was it a terror, terrorist activity, and I and I thought, oh, this is getting too complicated. So I called the Irish Army and I said, what do you do if you want to carry an incongruent package uh, somewhere into the wilderness? And they just hung up on me three times. <laughs> so I thought, okay, <laughs> maybe they're not the right people to ask. So I went to uh, Middleton, not too far away from here, about an hour and a half away from here, I went to the dump store 
the army dump uh, store and I took the harp with me in the bag and I put it on the counter and I said to the guy, okay, I want to carry this. How will you do this? And he kind of looked at me and he said, are you sure you want to do this? And I said, yes. And he said, I think I've got something for you. So the Swedes uh, in, in their army gear have an L-shaped uh, backpack frame. Uh, very simple, very basic, doesn't weigh very much. It's half a kilo altogether. And we just tied the whole thing with cable ties and bungee cords. And that's it. It's, it's actually quite an, uh, a simple setup. I found a new one. I think I'm going to buy a new one now uh, for the next trip, uh, also, which is also Swedish. The, the Swedes and the Finns, I found out, out afterwards, actually create these frames and um, fairly fairly lightweight uh, well structured, so it's a, it's a really simple thing. You take a bag, you take some cable ties, L frame, you turn the harp upside down so that the the heaviest point is at the top. So the the basic backpack for me to start is is around eleven kilos, and then I you know what do you want to take? And I do I carry everything that I need. So two sets of clothes, one for the day, one for the night, water, food. Um, uh, sunscreen, very important. Nail clippers, very important. A knife for cutting, obviously. A, a tin plate, also very important. A set of extra strings, a tune, a tuning key. What else is in there? Of course, the, the paperwork. You need you need a bit of paperwork, like your passport and uh, often a few maps or a guidebook. What else is in there? I think. Oh yeah, sleeping bag sleeping bag liner and a bivouac bag because I can't carry a tent. That would be too heavy. But the bivouac bag, with that, I can sleep outside if I have to. And then a lightweight yoga mat uh, rolled up and that at the bottom to, to protect the top of the harp then as well. And that all together with the water and the food, I come to 20 kilos. And if I go over it, when I get to the 22 kilos, I'm, I can't do it anymore. So uh, I, I can feel it in the body when, when, when there's too much. Uh, it, it, it's all fine up to the moment that people want to give you things because they want to help you. And then, they, you know, I learned a long time ago that it's not always clever to say, no, I don't need it. Sometimes you, you have to accept gifts. But what I do is I just send everything home then. 20 kilos. Yeah, 20 kilos. <clears throat> you, you, you mentioned before that Sean is a 26-string harp. Was, was it yes. Is it difficult to look after him? And, and by that I mean I suspect that it's, it sometimes gets very hot uh, and here mm -hmm. you are with this, with a, I wouldn't imagine that it's too delicate an instrument, but do you have to, is it difficult to take care of him? And and. And exposure to the wind and the rain and the sun and, and everything else, I would think that you would very be very, very very nervous about that. Very good question. Very good question. Yes, that was the biggest. And, and of course, that ties into this medieval harper thing as well. How did they do it? Like, yeah. it wrecked my head. How did they pack those harps? So what I did was I took the harp and I went to a sailmaker here in Golin, and I brought in the harp and I said, I want a, wa a watertight bag. And he also, of course, you can imagine, he kind of looked at me and went like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I want to carry my harp to Santiago. And he went like, okay, whatever. Uh, I will have to design a bag. It's going to cost you a bit of money. And I said, I don't care. Like, I just need to make sure that the harp does not get wet. 
So I had questions about what happens when he gets wet, what happens when you get extreme um, temperature differences, and how high can you climb before you get movement within the soundboard? Those were my three main questions. So I, 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 I hoped that the waterproof bag, now it's not entirely waterproof, but it's, so it's a rain coat within the bag. And then I have my own rain gear. I have two sets of it. Oh yeah, I, I carry rain gear as well, just a, a poncho. So a poncho for me and a poncho for Sean. So when the weather is bad, I have a waterproof bag inside and then I tie the poncho around it. Now, all the clothes I would pack uh, around the strings and then the soundboard in the back would be, would be in the bag, but it wouldn't be really exposed. And whenever there would be a big... Uh, so at night, I would keep the harp in the bag that if the temperature would drop, that, you know, inside the bag, the temperature is going to lower slower than on the outside. The truth is, I was surprised. They hold up pretty well. Um, there are some tuning issues. Like if it gets very, the bigger, it's not so much cold hot uh, because there's no direct exposure to the sun. The biggest issue is when it gets very moist. So you, you're walking into a sunny day one day, everything is fine. The next day you're walking in rain, the harp is not going to be happy. And you, you can hear him move, like he creaks and cracks. But I checked with a harp, uh, uh, like somebody who restores harps, and he says they do that all the time anyway because it's a, a living instrument. There's an awful lot of tension on these uh, on these soundboards. There's about now on a small harp like this, there wouldn't be more than you know uh, how much like uh, like a thousand uh, a thousand kilos of, of you know if if the whole thing would go, it would still snap but it's by far not as much as on the big harps. So he said, you're always going to get a bit of movement. And then the tying with the bungee cords, I have found that the top string uh, gives me issues sometimes. Like There is a tiny bit of movement at the top, and it means that I always have to retune that top string because it just it 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 tunes down automatically the pin doesn't hold very well now as for uh and so packing the clothes around it will keep the temperature more or less uh stable and then my next question was how high can i go before anything goes wrong now i went into the alps last year uh, over two and a half thousand meters up it wasn't a problem there were i've had i've never really had problems but i do do everything like if it gets really 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 wet i will try and avoid being out there as much as i can and this is why i don't plan uh, i plan very little i plan the direction and i plan the approximate amount of time but i don't actually set out the route of where or where i will stop because if you end up like in really bad weather I can't risk any damage to the harp, so I just stop. And those are the days I take off. How fantastic. That was my solution. I just think it's fantastic. <laughs> it is so good. Well, I carried that little parlor guitar, and it, in the soundboard has a big split in it uh, because really? I, yeah, yeah, because it was too hot. It was just too hot, and too hot. and I didn't. I just, and how did you? How did you pack it? Like, well, it, it was in. It, it was in a backpack kind of guitar case uh, American company makes okay. it and and it was they said it would be insulated but it was just too hot and I know I was in the direct yeah. I was just in the direct sun for too long but but yeah. the, but, but I would I would and 
Yeah, that's a very good point. Like I would I would make sure that I never put the pack out. And if it was out in the sun directly, now there's a bit of insulation on the bag itself. And the bag would have been red, like I walk in a, with a red bag. And I think the last one was black. But I would always put the pack in the shade. Golden rule, like golden rule. But I did walk up into, I did, I stopped walking at 41 degrees, I think. That was the highest. I, I got Udima at 41 degrees. So, but I, and I, last summer I walked up to 38 degrees without, without a problem. Yeah, no, no issue. So maybe the harp makers actually have done a really good job. Maybe yeah. those instruments are really well made. Yeah. And, yeah. And how far do you walk on average a day? On average? In the beginning, like, uh, I have to admit, carrying 20 kilos is a real, uh, uh, you know, it's it's kind of army, <laughs> army weight, you know, and I'm, I'll be 50 this year, so I'm, I'm not, I'm no spring chicken. Um, the first time I walked, I was just 40, uh, uh, was it, 41? Um, in the beginning, I would walk between 15 and 20 kilometers. By the end, by the end of a trip, after about three months, I walk an average of 20 to 35 kilometers a day. Yeah, because you've got nothing better to do. I've got nothing better to do when you're on the road. Yeah. <laughs> so you might as well walk. Exactly. Yeah. And if you find yeah, if you find people you want to play for, then you stop and you play. Uh, but if you don't meet anybody, like especially in parts of France and stuff, there's nobody there. You might as well walk. Yeah, yeah. You might as well walk. It, let's go back to 2010. You and Sean walked yes. from Clonakilty to St. jean pierre de port onto Santiago. And you were motivated, as yes. you said earlier, uh, it was the wake of, of, a, of a report into child abuse. And then you walked in 2018 from Clonakilty to Rome, 3,200 kilometres, again accompanied by Sean, and you walked to demand yeah. respect for women. So, Anya, can I tell us about, I want to ask you, tell us about your philosophical journey. Uh, about which journey? Your philosophical journey. Uh, the philosophical journey, yes. Well, the, the, first about the demanding respect for women. This was a, a journalist of the Irish Times who came up with this. It was actually not what I said. Right. Uh, it, it wasn't what I said. What I, because what he made it into was that I wanted to go meet the Pope to demand respect for women within the church and rights and stuff. What I did say is that I think it's, you know, that... If 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 I would have walked to have actually met the Pope, I wouldn't have minded meeting the Pope. But I, I can tell you what actually happened when I got to Rome. Uh, but that, that wasn't the initial thing. When they started asking me, did I want to meet the Pope? Initially, I said I wasn't sure. And by the end of it, I said I wouldn't I, I wouldn't have minded because I think he's an interesting character. Um, but to say that I that I walked in order to meet the Pope would mean that I would give credence. To, you know, empower to to that institution. And the truth is for me that I don't think they have that much power, not in my life anyway. What I did want to do, I think it was just before the amendment of the 8th. Uh, I don't know if you know about this, but uh, Ireland changed the law on abortion. Uh, at, at, and that was happening during the walk that I did the last time. So I walked... Uh, 
I, I had become very much in, in 2010, I, I, that journey had very much to do with uh, very personal things as well. My mother was an abuse victim and this was why I, or abuse survivor, I should say. Uh, and it, that's why I got so rattled by this report. And so I, 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 it was a journey of healing for me. By the end of it, I, I, I finally, you know, understood a little bit more of my own relationship with my mother. I understood a whole lot more about what abuse actually means within society, how it works, how it perpetuates itself, and why it's such a taboo and why we find it so hard to deal with it. In, in Ireland, of course, this is not over yet. Like We're still looking at the aftermath of what has happened. And I believe in the States and in Australia, Pell has just been arrested, uh, Cardinal Pell. Uh, it's, it's an ongoing thing that needs to be healed and might take a few generations. I think the effect on me has been that I, I decided that for me, I, I don't like modern society much. I don't give much credence to the way we run the world and the way we are led by economy rather than by soul. I would prefer to live my life through my gut and through what I believe is our absolute truths. The sun goes up, the sun goes down. Uh, you know, we have, we have choices, we are free. And I think that every time that I make the choice to take to the road, I actually give credence to that. Now, there's not many people who are that free that they can make those choices. Um, you know, very often, every or the majority of people that I would speak to would say, yes, but it's easy for you because you can do those things because you're brave. But the reality, of course, is, is that ah, everybody needs a job and everybody needs to, you know, we all need to pay rent or live in a house or... But what kind of reality do we want to live in? And I want uh, my reality includes the freedom to say it's time to go on a walkabout, which I believe is an indigenous uh, Australian tradition as well, uh, that there are times in your life that you need to go out to see the world. So my, my philosophy deals with that freedom, uh, the sharing of what we have. I, I believe in provenance. If something has to be done, if it's really important, it will get done. And I will get up when, when I'm on a trip. I will get up every morning. Now, the patron saint, one of the patron saints of pilgrims, as you can hear, I was, I was raised a Catholic. One of the, the pilgrim saints uh, of, of, is St. James, of course. So I will get up in the morning when I, when I walk and I'll go, St. James... My friend, thank you very much for everything that you did for me yesterday. Thank you for the shower. Thank you for the bed. Thank you for the people I met, for the food on the table. Thank you for showing me the way and making sure that I got to my destination. Now, if it is important, make sure that I get, to the that I get through the next day towards my goal. And then I'll give him a list of things that I want. So I'd like a bed. I liked the shower yesterday, but I would prefer a bath today. Uh, I liked the potatoes, but I prefer rice today. Uh, could you, uh, I'd like some kind people. Sometimes you need loving people. Sometimes you need friends. Sometimes you need, and I, I put the list out there and then I just look around and pay close attention to whether he is hearing me yes or not. So I do little experiments, like I ask it, 
to hold off on the bad weather till five o'clock in the afternoon or to give me cake by the end of the day if I did well or things like that. Very often I get what I want. <laughs> Very often I get hurt and then I thank him again the next day for it and I, and I move on. So it's, it's, I live by providence. I think that is the, uh, by, by doing it, there is the proof that there is a better world out there for all of us. And that better world, it's my job to share that love. So that's, and that again, you know, Sean the Harp is a direct, uh, a direct, he's the line between that. So he translates that then again into the next group of people that we meet. Does that make sense? Absolutely it does. Boy, that was a fantastic okay. answer. But you, ha- you have Sean there with you. Perhaps we could hear from Sean. Let's hear can we hear from Sean in the middle of the interview? Of course. Let's of course he's right here. Let's hear Sean. Do you do you want a song or do you want a Yeah, a song. A, a song. Okay. Now this song actually is the song the the reason uh why I walk in but it was the song that inspired the initial walk. It's called the the minstrel boy. That is absolutely magic. That is so good. <laughs> so what's that song? Thank and, you. <clears throat> where did that song come it's, from? 
It's a minstrel boy. It's a Northern Irish song. Uh, the minstrel boy to the war has gone. In the ranks of death you'll find him. His father's sword he has girded on and his wild harp slung behind him. Land of song, says the warrior bard, though all the world betray thee, one sword at least will guide thy foot and one harp will praise thee. And then the harp, the, the harper falls on the battlefields and he tears the strings out of the harp because the harp cannot sound in slavery. There you go. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Now, I, I, I know, now you've, you've, you've obviously performed thousands and thousands of times, but the Camino and, and your own journey, your pilgrimage, yeah. How has the pilgrimage in your life impacted your musical journey? It's really interesting, actually. I thought it would lead to me wanting to do lots of new things. And what I'm finding is that I want to do lots of older things, more and more older, 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 older. I seem to be going back further and further and further. Like I've always had this interest in medieval Renaissance Baroque. Like it's it's kind of part, I suppose, of who I am. Um I, I've gone from more complicated to simpler, 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 uh, more accessible. I think music is for everybody. I always say about Sean the Harp, you know, he's no snob. Uh, I'm not saying harp players are snobs, but I think that it's often perceived as such. Um, I, I think my job is just to make it as accessible as possible uh, and, and, and share it with as many people. So I, I often find listening to harp music that there is a lot of interference because you you pluck one string on a harp and the whole instrument um the whole instrument starts to vibrate so you pluck one string and all of them sound but you can't hear all of them i do quite when i'm at home i do quite a lot of work in hospitals uh dementia wards uh, memory work for elderly people uh i work a lot around death and illness um, and it seems to give great relief and and um, and it has a very calming effect. But simplicity in harp music is something that I've really come to appreciate. So rather than going more complicated, I, I tend to go simpler, simplifying everything. Um, so, yeah, it has simplified my life. Uh, literally, when I came back from the first... Uh, the first pilgrimage, it took me about two years, but after two years, I ripped everything out of my house. Uh, from I, I live a very Spartan kind of uh, lifestyle. I have three harps and a piano and one comfortable chair, one table, which I fold away. I don't have carpets. I, I, have, I have a few curtains and that's about it. Like I don't really do ownership anymore. So it is, it is simplified. That has been the effect, is that I can live with nothing. And I think living with nothing will set, is, is the thing that actually sets me free. So it has decluttered my soul, my being, my music, everything. Do you write much of your own music? Uh, I, I do, not loads. I'm, I'm working, strangely enough, I promised uh, somebody that I would write a mass. And I've started working on that. I've, I've written a few songs. I, I sang at the end of uh, the last pilgrimage. I got the, uh, 
the great honor of singing in the Sistine Chapel, um, which wow. is normally, yeah, it's normally, it's not allowed. It's, it's about 20 choirs a year that get permission to sing in the Sistine Chapel. And I think I'm the only person in the past five years who got permission to be there on my own. Uh, now, the harp wasn't allowed in. I tried everything. But the Pope had just returned from Ireland. This was like how ironic, right? I walked from Ireland to Rome. And the day that I arrived, he was actually giving uh, the speech at the, the, the what is it, the, the family, uh, family gathering here in Dublin. He was actually in Ireland. And um, uh, yeah, so two days later, he gave exactly the same speech <laughs> in, uh, 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 on St. Peter's Square. But I had already been in the Sistine Chapel by then. Uh, and there I did sing a song which I wrote during my last, uh, during the Camino, uh, during my trip to Santiago. And it was a song that I sang walking every, every village that I would, and I, I, by the time that I, I walked alone in Ireland and France, and in Spain, I walked with a, a small group of people, uh, two, or th two or three people that were kind of constant. And I would sing it every village we walked into and every time we walked out of a village, I would sing that song. And I got to sing that in the, in the chapel as well, yeah. Can we hear that, that song? Pretty cool. Can we hear that song? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Please. <laughs> Please. <laughs> there is no harp with it, though. It's unaccompanied. Oh, it's I'd not okay. Yeah. Okay, so this is what I what I got to say because you go into the Sistine Chapel and they insist that it has to be religious music. So I said, yes, it it, it is kind of it's spiritual, and they went like, but does it deal with the subject of God? And I said, well, it's about the the old Irish harper. I said, but that's the, you could see that that is the analogy for God, right? So they left me at it. Uh, but if I'm really honest, I think it's a love song. <laughs> But I, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, so, the old Irish harper. The old Irish harper, he comes to me, he takes my hand, he walks by the sea. The old Irish harper, he comes my way, we walk together from Dublin to Grey. He says, lift your feet, for that is what we need. We need dance, we need song, so keep playing strong. That's what your gift, that is how you must live, and that is how it must be, it'll set us all free. The old Irish harper, he comes to me, he takes my hand, he says you are free. The old Irish harper, he comes my way, he holds my hand as we walk into Bray. He shows me the stars, the sun and the moon, he says, don't you fret, we'll meet again soon. Just follow the road and don't close on green eyes 
and no God don't remember. The old Irish harper, he comes to me, he blesses my hands, he says we are free. The old Irish harper, he cannot stay. He says his goodbyes at the center of Bray. I follow the road from north to south. Sing my songs as freely as if he were about. Never close my eyes. Play my harp every day, cause I know when he comes, he'll walk my way. The old Irish harper, he'll come to me, he'll take my hand, we'll walk by the sea. The Old Irish Harper, he'll call my way. We'll walk together forever and a day. We'll walk together from Dublin to Bray. We'll walk together forever and a day. Fantastic, Anya. That is so beautiful. Thousands and thousands of people download this podcast every week. And I just want you to picture that I'm sitting in my little studio in Sydney, Australia, with headphones on, listening to you singing to me down the line from Clonakilty in Ireland. It's just such a, it's just so magic. And, And the Camino makes the world a smaller place, doesn't it? Yes. And every time we put our feet on those roads and we head for those for those destinations, because it's not about those destinations, it's about those journeys. And we make the world our own. We create family and friends along the way. And it makes that the world is our home, you know, the world is our oyster. And we connect, we connect through our feet and through the conversations and through the meetings. Uh, we, we actually uh, reconnect and, and, and how, how, what is the word? Um, we, we take back, which was rightfully ours to start with, you know, this, this earth is ours. It is ours. It is all those people out there are our friends and are our family. We just haven't found the time to go and meet them and connect to them. And when we go on our Caminos, that is what we do. We recognize uh, we, we recognize this. We recognize that uh, all, all these people out there are just families, part of our families we haven't met yet, we haven't been able to connect to yet. And whenever we go back, we know that we have friends there and we've walked those roads, we've slept along those roads, we've put our tents up, eaten the food. It's, it's, a, it's an incredible thing. It really is an incredible thing. Gosh, I've, I've, I just look at the clock and it's been 45 minutes and I can't believe it. 
Feels like I've only been talking to you for a few minutes. It's just been so terrific. I've thoroughly enjoyed talking with you, Anya. Your music and your singing is absolutely exquisite. I, I really want to say I'm so pleased that I've had the opportunity to talk with you because you're not just a musician who's walked a long way. You've given a great deal of thought uh, to to your gift, if I can put it that way, and and it really is a gift. You are giving. Um, I've said a thousand I times. That, yeah, I, I, I've, I've been saying for years and years, whoever coined the term playing music got it right because you, it, it's just such a joy to play. And It is. Yeah, and you've, you've taken it a step further than that because really your, 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 your whole motivation is to give. And I think yeah. that the world is much a much better place for that and for the gift. Thank that, you. Yeah, congratulations. It's, it's quite exquisite. It's absolutely beautiful. Oh, but if, if people want to hear more of what you do, where can they go? Is there somewhere they can find you? I, yeah, I have a website, thefloutingharper.com, flouting with A-U. Uh, floutingharper.com there is a, I made an album it is still a, you you can listen to it there online or download it whatever you want um, I also during the last trip I made I did daily Facebook updates so there is a Facebook page with 141 I walked for 157 days and there's about 141 videos of the trip with all the ups and downs now I started watching some of it and it's Pretty hilarious, and it's quite a good, uh, quite quite a good reflection on what it really is, because it's an emotional roller coaster, as I'm sure most people who've done walks like this uh, know. You know, it's an emotional roller coaster, and it talks about the harp, and I get angry, and I get frustrated, and I'm sad, and I'm happy, and there are good days, and there's bad days, and I'm working on an art installation to put all the footage that nobody has seen and and those Facebook updates to put them all together with the five and a half thousand photographs that I made as well, uh, which would which would, I'm going to try and turn into this 50 hour long art installation uh, or to give people a sense of what it actually is that pilgrims do, especially long long term pilgrims. So not the one or two. I've you know there's nothing wrong with doing short pilgrimages, but it's an extraordinary experience to go on the road for three or five months. Uh, or longer. It is it it is a life changing experience. So to give people a little bit of a taste of that, uh, so and that that will be the updates for that for now are on on Facebook so on the website. I have to do a little bit of work on the website again, but it is all live. It's all there, um, and yeah, there is. If people want the album, just drop me a line and I can send you one out. Like uh, that's all possible. And there's another album with the the song that I just sang. It has me recorded. It just hasn't been released yet, so that is all in the making as well, the fl- uh, and that needs to be done before 2021 because then I'll be gone again. Thefloutingharper.com. <laughs> yes. And so, just before we go, and and if it's okay with you, um, when we bid farewell, I'd love to hear Sean to take us out to the close. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll say again, congratulations. Thank you so much for your time, and I wish you all the best on your life journey, your musical journey, your journey with Sean. Uh, it's been an absolute delight talking to you, Anya. Buen Camino. 
Thank you very much. <laughs> Just before we go to Sean and Anya, the flouting harper, as they're known as a duo, I just want to say thank you so much for your time, your sharing and caring, my listeners. My guest this week, the Irish-based, Canadian-born, Dutch-bred musician Anya Barker. Plato, the Greek philosopher, said, Music gives a soul to the universe, wings to the mind, flight to the imagination, and life to everything. Thank you for your support. And if you're interested in sponsoring me, you can go to patreon.com forward slash danmullins or danmullinsmusic.com. It's a small world made even smaller by music and by the Camino. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Just before we go, it's me again. Uh, in post-production of this interview, the recordings that I did with Anya down the phone line just weren't good enough to put into the podcast. They were dreadful, actually. The quality of the audio didn't do justice to the quality of the performance. So I flew the audio in for those songs. I wanted to do justice to the sound of Sean the Harp and Anya's singing. 
So, a concession of sorts. Thanks again for your company. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Somewhere along the way Somewhere along the way